and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks. I'm thrilled you could join us today. Before I introduce our guest today, I always like to give a couple of shout outs. So one, I just want to let you know that on September 28th and 29th, I will be part of the Geriatric Care Summit uh, for 2023. You can just Google that. I'll be doing the keynote on that which is entitled Calibrating Care to Retain and Secure Staff and Families. And then also on October 10th, I will be doing a program called Betty the Bald Chicken Lessons in How to Care. That'll be in person at Artist Senior Living of Woodbury. You can RSVP to that at 651-493-2800. Four zero, and just ask for Jana. And of course, I would like to also remind you to go ahead and check out alzheimerspeaks.com. Go to our free educational resources, and there you will find all kinds of things that we've curated um, over 10 years now. We've been pulling resources together for you, so check that out. You can also access Betty the Bald Chicken's book there and learn more about how you can utilize that as an individual, as a family, in support groups, and all different types of scenarios. And then check out DementiaMap.com, which is our global resource directory. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about multi-generational living, and we've got an advocate with us that I'm so excited uh, to have you hear his insights and what he has been through. So with no further ado, let's introduce you to Daniel. Well, Daniel, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you so the world can hear it. Um, I was just thrilled when you and I were able to talk, and I think your insights are really important. I think our world is changing, and I think this is a really hot topic in terms of how we care for one another and how are we going to survive um, all the things we go through in our lives at all ages and stages. So thank you for taking time to be with us today. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's a great pleasure, and I feel privileged uh, to interact with people like yourself that has such a, a good cause. Uh, and as we said in our conversation, we're just trying to move the needle to a better place in this world. Exactly. I'm going to have you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience, if you don't mind. Yes. Yeah, so my name is Daniel with two N's. I guess that's uh, my uh, my indication. Um, I've been uh, I've been here in the United States uh, for 20 years. I immigrated from Israel. Uh, and for the past 20 years, actually, for the past 19 years, I've been uh, building my career as a sales executive. Uh, and that was my old world till uh, everything kind of shifted. And today I hope to kind of share my story, tell it uh, how it's all started and where I am today. So uh, after, you know, before I'll share the story, I founded a um, multi-gen, multi-gen homes. 
Uh, it's an organization that's specializing in taking families uh, that are in the position or in the willing to live together uh, and help them to transition to that space with everything related to that, from how to design the space, how to build that space, uh, and then how to facilitate and manage three or maybe four families under one roof. Uh, and lastly, connect the family if there is an Alzheimer's situation or any kind of life event to other resources that can support them and help them uh, in, in make that period of time uh, as as great as possible, because at least in my story, I feel uh, very accomplished and proud that our family is happy, even though we are going through the challenges of, of Alzheimer with my dad. Okay, great. Well, my next question was going to be, have you been touched by dementia, which apparently you have? Do you mind sharing a little bit more about your story with your dad? Absolutely. So so my dad was diagnosed um, over 10 years ago, uh, and all of that happened um, across the sea in Israel. So I was here, living here, and my parents were uh, 15 hours away from me. Uh, but the beginning was kind of, you know, like everybody, uh, digestion, trying to figure out what what is going on. And, and my uh, understanding of Alzheimer was a distant one, you know, listening to the story of my mom, being there to support her, making sure that I, I, I am understanding uh, and giving her the virtual shoulder. Um, but then several uh, things happened, uh, which allowed me to bring them here and be uh, next to my dad, taking care of them literally firsthand, physically, mentally, support my mom, because as everybody in the people that listen to this show know that this is not something that affects only the person that gets it, but the entire family. So that's that's it. It was remote that became as close as possible, and I'm still taking care of them. He's still alive, smiling. Uh, he's in stage seven, so we are in the... Uh, the the last stages with him currently, but um, but he's smiling and he's happy and he's surrounded by the people he loves. Wonderful. So he's in those end stages, but he's still home with you. He's totally uh, with us. Absolutely, we're taking care of him. We are here with him. Uh, we has we have some help, but all in all, uh, the family all together. My wife, myself. Uh, my kids, we are, and of course, his wife, my mom, uh, we're all taking care of him. We're all surrounding him. And uh, and that's it. He smiles, I think, more than he was smiling when he did not have Alzheimer's. So that's a good indication. Okay, wonderful. That's that's fantastic. Well, what brought you into kind of the multi-generational sphere to begin with? Because you said you kind of started this before you brought your dad over and things. So what were you seeing and feeling that that had you step into this space? So I'll try to kind of uh, tell a long story of two years and in a in a nutshell. But it's all started with me living with my kids and wife on the East Coast. Um, you know, used to live in small apartments, small locations, small places. Twelve hundred square feet, I think, was the biggest one. And then we moved all the way to the West Coast. Uh, in this process, all our belongings were stolen. And uh, we literally left with no, with nothing. Uh, so we moved into California in a nice size house that we bought. And 
but it was so big because everything was not there, right? We had this beautiful library with no books to occupy them. And uh, and literally the same days that we're moving in and we're shocked about the size of the house and the fact that we don't have anything with us, my mom called me and she said, look, I'm sorry. I know that it's a painful thing for you, but I got to give that away. I cannot handle him. I'm, I'm just, I'm done. So I, I said, please wait with your decision. I, I got together with my wife and, and she was absolutely supportive, almost initiating this process of, of bringing my parents uh, here to the United States which was complicated process by all means, you know, from immigration to convincing her that, 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 you know, she need to leave uh, everything that she worked for and lived in. But, you know, uh, the, the goal was clear. We need to bring them here and we need to save them. Not just my dad. I need to save my mom that was in deep depression and my dad that I will never let him go anywhere else beside being around the family. So after many convic- convic- convincing my, my mom and, and, and having the support of my wife, we brought my parents. Uh, we, we started the process of building a house within our house to make sure that, you know, everything is separated. And we learn as we go, what are the elements? What do we need to design? What do we need to build? My track record is construction. I've been in this industry for 20 years, so I brought my knowledge and of course, all the other elements that we learn. Uh, and two days before I flew to Israel to pick them up, um, a house got uh, on fire, and we pretty much uh, we pretty much stayed homeless. And I need to bring my parents, so I took myself. I still continue with the program. Brought my my parents. Uh, right here to United States. And we were kind of schlepping between hotels and 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 rented houses. Um, but what really brought me uh, is is what, what it brought me is to literally live with my dad. So while the original plan was to create separation and kind of not seeing them on the day to day, now there was no walls, no privacy. We're in, we're all in. We're taking care of him firsthand. Uh, and that taught us so much, so much about what is what are the crises that might happen to somebody that is not coming from the world of taking care of 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 you know of of these kinds of events of cleaning an old gentleman uh, of dealing with him cursing and and being violent. Um, so that was very very shocking in a very quick time. Uh, but but again, that's that's. We just continue with our plan and we continue with building uh, our house and, and making sure that we learn also what is important, what is important for my mom, what is important for my dad. Uh, we now have another, also a caregiver that helps us. So we need to think about additional person that is with us. So we, in this process, just accumulate a lot of knowledge about managing three families, kids on one side older people on the other side, ourselves building our career and struggling as the sandwich generation. Um, But this process really kind of put me in a position that, first of all, mission accomplished, bringing my parents. Secondly, mission accomplished, we really, all of us, uh, from my from my dad that is smiling, from my mom that is shining, and from my wife that has a lot of meaning, and myself, of course, we are so happy and it's hard to hear the world happy in the process of 
Alzheimer, but I feel that we were able to get as close to that. And from that moment, I mean, all my aspirations and, 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 you know, throughout my life, I wanted to build a career and be successful and all of that just vanished. And I, and I realized that this is my mission. I, I want more families to live like we do to understand the benefits of multi-generational living of multi-generational home because it's actually a creative way to deal with so many challenges that we have as a society as individuals and it's just not being promoted enough i mean um that's where the need came and that's where i became a, a real advocate for this way of living uh, and and convincing more and more families and bringing my knowledge to the table to support them from the construction side because I'm coming from that world and I know how many mistakes some one can do that he does not understand construction all the way to design a home that is timeless that is today it's going to be your parents but statistically <laughs> I mean, I'm under a huge risk to become one. And I hear a lot of people saying, well, you know, I don't want my kids to take care of me when I'll get older. But if this being done right and smart, then it's absolutely legit. And I don't mind to replace my dad in 30 years where they're staying now and my kids can uh, grow their family where we live here. So that's kind of the concept. And, uh, and, and I'm a big advocate. That's how we met. Wow. Well, you know, from Alzheimer's to the theft of everything to the fire, I mean, you have really been through it all. But it, what I appreciate about your story is, is one, you pushed through it. But two, that it wasn't about any of those things. It was really going back to the basics of, of what is good about humanity and family. And I think so often that gets overlooked. Another comment you had just made was people saying, well, you know, I don't want my kids taking care of me when I'm older. Um, and, you know, my daughter did that with with my mom who had dementia for 30 years and my dad who had cancer for um, four and a half years. But she is one of the most compassionate, kindest people. And I think we're missing that in our world because we're we think we're protecting our kids, but we're, we're not understanding that that is a skill in life that makes us better. The other thing that I think is really interesting um, with people, because I, my daughter and her family live with me and I get, you know, I get the weird eyeballs like, well, why would you do that? And it's like, you know, look at the loneliness factor we have in the world right now. Why is that? Because we're shoving everybody away, saying you have to do it on your own, if they're ready or not. And those people we're shoving away have things to offer us too. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. Like, I love having, you know, I, I actually feel like I live with my daughter and her family because there's more of them than me in my house. Um, but, you know, I was the only one of my friends who got to see my grandchildren during the pandemic, and they were all disheartened because they they were separated and they couldn't have that peace. And even since the pandemic has been back, I can see my grandkids every single day and we can set up rules 
you know, to, so that everybody is, is happy and not that we don't have our times. I mean, we had our times when we weren't living together, but I, I just, I'm like you, I think people are really overlooking a very powerful scenario that can be helpful on multiple levels um, to an individual, to a family and to the world at large. I mean, if you look historically, right, I mean, historically on a timeline of a thousand years, I mean, it's only in the past 100 years Mm -hmm. that the whole nuclear family concept has been established. But throughout decades, this is how family were. This is how family did. And another note about loneliness, what people don't understand that the main people that suffer from loneliness are the younger generation, and it's not the older people. It's actually the younger, the kids, they're the ones who are stuck into their screen and, and losing the fact that there is there are people around them. So multi-generational home is definitely tackling the loneliness part. But hey, it's not just the older generation. It's more so the young generation. I mean, you, you mentioned so many great things. I, I hope we'll talk about them, but, you know, the uh, throughout this conversation. Well, when you when you said that about the younger kids, I the other day I have a I have a six month old grandchild, I have an eight year old, and I have a twelve year old. And the eight year old was so excited because her parents were going to go out for the first time since the baby was born, and so she was like, "Can we have a tea party?" You know, because that used to be our thing. Just about every Saturday when I would watch them, we would have a tea party, and we had we had a we had our tea party. We had to modify it because of the baby, so we it wasn't is um, pointed towards Charlotte as it normally was because we had to share things, but it was fine and it was still ours. And then the other night she came up, I have, you know, my own separate area. And she's like, Grandma, can you play a game with me? And um, so I said, yeah. And she's like, are you going to sit in the chair? Are you going to sit on the floor? I said, I'll sit on the floor with you. And we we played a game. And I said, I didn't have a lot of time, but we could play, you know, a few hands, which we did. And we got done and we're packing everything up. And she gave me the biggest hug. She just jumped on my lap and she just said, oh, Grandma thank you so much. I love you so much. And it's just those little teeny things for both of us are huge. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. You you forgot the parents that actually end up to go out Mm -hmm. trusting somebody like their mom that she can be there and make sure that everything will work. So you're happy. Your granddaughter is happy. 
Your kids are happy. I mean, it's a win-win-win situation. And that's the point. I mean, life doesn't end when we get to 65. Life is, is an evolving thing. And I think that as human beings, we have to. We have to understand that and, and manage that. Manage that proactively that we need to create those moments because this this is happiness and we live in society that everybody are running after happiness but happiness is real meaning and meaning is is what you just described because it's meaningful for you to spend time with your granddaughter it's meaningful for her to spend time with you it's meaningful for the parents that can take a breathe but again you know we as young parents we are always hysterical like who I'm going to bring now, a babysitter that I don't know, that I cannot trust? I can only trust my mom. I can only believe in that that she will be there for them. So again, such a win-win-win situation. And probably that should be my logo, slogan, right? Win-win-win, not just win-win. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, and I think of the times with my daughter playing with my mom, coloring. And this was before they lived with us, but we spent a lot of time together with them. And they were just like two peas in a pod when my daughter was like three, just coloring and then showing their pictures and both so proud. And, you know, I'm looking for all my paints here that they did give to their grandparents because I have this motive too. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, we, we had our goofy moments where I remember grandma one time, Danielle had some friends over and they were they were all girls, thank God. But my mom was in the bathroom washing up and all she heard us talking and all of a sudden she walks out buck naked, washing her armpit, joining the conversation. And you know, everyone just kind of looked and you know, we kind of got grandma redirected and you know, but she was part of the conversation and we just explained and it was a way for the other kids to understand what was going on, not to be frightened. This was just, you know, grandma doesn't know that that's inappropriate at this point. And she just wanted to be part of the conversation. And so you use it as a learning tool. And there might be some people listening to that going, I don't want that at all in my house. But you know what, things like that happen in your house now. And the attitude is is only humor because, you know, if you're going to put yourself in this position, like, oh, my God, that's so embarrassing versus like that is hilarious. That's so much. It's funny. Yep. And some people saying, oh, that's offensive. And I'm like, get out of where you are, because if you're going to look at everything as a tragedy, your life would look like that. But if you look at life as comedy, then this is exactly the point. And I know for some people it's hard to, to hear it, but I feel I feel comfortable with that statement because my dad is constantly trying to wear uh, our clothes and, and we're calling him the model. You know, he comes in and suddenly has the scarf of my wife, the glasses of his tear caretaker and uh, and somehow is trying to squeeze to the shoes of my of my son so yeah some people will say oh that's that's not that's no it's perfect that's alzheimer and that's the brain and that's the human being and there's nothing bad about it and you're not laughing on him you're laughing on the situation and that is a huge remedy for us to take a deep breath and just find ways to enjoy it he or she they don't understand they live in their own world. Now we left now with our own interpretation. So just laugh on that. Enjoy that moment. I mean, we laugh a lot, a lot, yeah. really. So 
Well, and that's so true. I mean, you think of um, little kids at a ballet recital or something that's screwing up on stage and the adults are laughing and, you know, the kid doesn't know they're up there just having fun and they're doing their thing. Or how many children will mention somebody farted or pooped and the parents are like, you don't say that, you know, but they do. And we get through it. It's just part of a stage of life. And this is part of their stage of life. And it teaches us, I think, compassion and to not, hopefully not be so embarrassed and anxious about it. You know, that let's take ourselves so seriously, because in the end of the day, I see how this situation provide me a platform to be a person that takes life in a more easy way, in a more humorous way, in a way that I'm not stuck into what society and what somebody and what somebody will say. This is our family. And my kids learn it firsthand. It's not just me talking. They see it. So they already have the ability to to look at life from a prism of humor, of acceptance and compassion, of course. Well, let's talk about some of the other benefits too. I mean, we've we've covered quite a few of them um, without me even pointing that question. But what are some other benefits that you see uh, I mean, in terms of multi-gen housing? Definitely. So, so you know, the the first thing I mean, a, a lot of people in in that situation are part of the sandwich generation, right? They are ripped between uh, raising kids, young kids, taking care of their parents and building a career. So it's kind of everything is pushing them away. So logistically, I see that uh, multi-gen living is something that is the optimal way of living in that situation, because you no longer need to schlep to the other side of the city or God forbid, even take a flight uh, just to figure out why your mom or dad fell or, or acted in the way or or putting them in a facility that you don't necessarily trust because of uh, different stories and, and different things that you heard. So, you know, the, the first thing is logistically, purely logistically, you put everybody under one roof. We'll talk about it later about how to create a separation and, and, and optimal within the roof, right? But just to bring everybody together, it it's literally making your life much easier. Now, in a house, depends on how many kids and a caretaker and a spouse now the whole burden is not falling on one person. Like my mom for all this time, she was the only one who dealt with them. And to be honest, what is it really worth for me to understand her over the phone? Yeah, mom, I understand. Yes. Yes, mom. I feel your pain. I mean, there's people that are even judging their parents. I mean, I can tell you that I heard stories that they would hear like, oh, you should do this and you should do that. And why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? I'm like, Guys, you don't even live with me. How can you suggest something like that? And then it puts the person, the, the caretaker, even more down and, and, and depressed. So so I feel, again, that living after you know one roof, everybody are part of this mission. You create a meaning to everybody. And I mentioned it before, and I'm mentioning it again. Meaning, meaning, and again, meaning. My kids have a meaning. My wife has a meaning. I have a meaning. And even my 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 mom that was in a depression. I mean, she wanted nothing but my dad to disappear. And today she totally changed 180 degrees. She's much more compassionate. And it's not because of something really different. It's the fact that we are with her. So that's that's the very big benefit of like, this is the optimal way for me. 
Uh, on the financial side, I mean, across the street, I have an assisted living facility or in a memory care, and they charge $10,000 a month. And again, I, I am not a wealthy, rich person. I don't understand how people can afford these kinds of sums. But let's say that you do and you have that ability because you care about your parents. I mean, I have the firsthand experience of taking, you know, my my dad to the shower, right? Uh, these, these things are just, they cannot be comparable. So financially, it is a better solution. Uh, and again, not just when you compare, you know, doing the adjustment within your house compared to a facility, but I'm talking about a family that lives, right? My mom is healthy for now. She is part of the family. We are sharing resources. We are sharing uh, responsibility. You know, she helps with the cooking. I help with her uh, tech issues. My kids are bringing the light to the family. Like we all have our part. And in the end of the day, I'll just give you an example. I live with four. I mean, we were four people, my wife and my two kids. And I looked how much we spend on groceries. And overall, right, more restaurants here and there, more takeaways. So we literally, when my mom joined together with my dad and now a caretaker, we're talking about additional three people. You would say, oh, cost of living is probably much more. It's much less because we buy stuff in Costco. We buy things in bulk. We cook much more because we're in a family mode. I mean, we are totally saving money. Expenses of, of utilities and bills, everything is being shared. It's much, much more affordable. So financially, it is a big benefit. And again, I can go on and on and on and break it down to really all the way from building a multi-generational home is a, a smart financial decision. I mean, I put my house in the market just for the curiosity of that. People were willing to, to pay for a multi-generational home 30 to 40% more than the market price. So people are lacking that kind of product. They want that kind of product. Again, it's a huge financial. What we do in real estate, and I know your background in real estate, what we do in real estate can be much more than what we saving lifetime. So again, these are not only saving situation. These are the smart investment ways. Um, and lastly, again, we did talk about it, but I want to just reinforce, and that's raising kids because it is really challenging to raise kids in, in our generation. We honestly have no idea where this world is going. We don't know what's right or wrong. We don't know if our kids are are, are, are going to have the right uh, values and the right principles. But my biggest bet, or at least my safest bet, is the fact that they can see me firsthand taking care of my parents, taking care of my dad. So they see me, they see their mom, they see us cleaning him, they see us taking him, talking to him. You know, it's it's not just, oh, you should respect the elderly. That's just a cliche. That's just something people say. But when you live in this home, when you live in this house, you live and you show them the example and they're so compassionate and they are so, as I mentioned with the humor, they're so funny and they look at things in a more easy way. And, and you see it, you see, you walk with them and you see an older gentleman, they see him, 
They don't ignore him. They go, they approach. They tell him the whole their life story. Oh, you know, we live with our grandparents and it's it's really nice. It's and and my 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 grandfather, he's a bit mushy. You know, his brain is totally mushy, but but we love him. We love him. It's it, you see that and you're melting and you're like, "You know what? I really don't know what's going to happen in 20 years with their personalities, but I think in the given day right now, I feel that I'm doing the right thing. So, I mean, again, I can probably go on and on on all the benefits and break it down. But I think these are like the three main things, the financial part, the raising the kids. Uh, and, and again, the optimal living in that situation. You're not afraid. You're not concerned. They're here under your supervision. You see their smile. You see they're happy. You see that they're content. The people that are sick, that don't know what's going on with them. Yes, I told you, my dad is smiling and happier more than he was when he did not. Because when he did not have the Alzheimer, he was one of the most serious people that I've ever met. Exactly that person that would say, oh, my God, look at this and look at that. And what will somebody say? And today he's smiling and he's happy. Wow. I think one of the things that hit me the most was about the meaning and the purpose of being within a family, having this support you know, not only are you supporting your dad and your mom, but they're supporting you and your kids. I mean, it's a team effort. And I think that lightens the load for every for everyone. I think that's one of the things I've noticed in my own house is if mom and dad are, are working or busy, the kids always know they can come to talk to me. They don't have to stuff it and they don't have to wait and then maybe feel uncomfortable approaching it again. They can just get it addressed. And I think there's a lot, a lot of value to that because sometimes I don't care what age we are. I think we overthink it. And then we're like, no, I'm not going to ask that. But yet it's still kind of within us, bugging us. But And then we get used to stuffing stuff instead of just being honest about how we're feeling. And I think that there's, I think we do way too much of that in this world. Well, you know what now you just mentioned to me, I mean, because it's it's really a guilt-free situation because, you know, as as a parent, right, you always have the guilt of like, oh, my God, I'm busy in working. I'm, I'm in those emails and I'm on the phone and I, I and I haven't seen my kids. But when you know that they're with family, when you know that they're surrounded by that love, because that's your concern, right? And all the research saying, you know, the, the first years of the kids and, and this is the love and they need to be surrounded by that. And Yes, they are, even if I'm not here. And my mom is doing it, and she's doing it with so much love because, you know, she feels so lucky that she can enjoy their sunshine every day. And it's beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. As much as I talk about it more, I'm getting excited about it more and more. Well, and, and even with me, I mean, there's times like they're like, Grandma, put your phone down. Get off the computer. <laughs> I mean, don't call me out on it, you know. And I, I'll never forget one time, they came out when they saw it on TV one time with the basket phones in here, you know, everybody put their phone in here and, and as cute as that was, and as, as not subtle as it was, it was very poignant. And it was them saying, what about us? You know, what about us? And I think as adults, we've gotten tied in so much to the technology realm that we forget about the what about us, um, because we're busy being busy, instead of busy, really supporting and engaging 
our family members and being able to, to, you know, carve out time. And I by no means have that down pat. I'm still working on that. I probably always will be because that's my job. I work out of the house and um, I, I don't always turn it off when I should. But the kids come up and they'll knock on the door or they'll listen to see if I'm doing a show and then they'll turn around because they know not to interrupt me and stuff. I mean, so we have, you know, we have these things and if they're not sure, then they'll, they'll come in and poke their head and then you know, go, it's safe. Come on in. <laughs> and uh, Lucky you, because my kids, you know, I, I made sure today they're not at home because if they're home, I mean, no matter how many times I'm telling them they're, they just, uh, they just live their own world. But again, these are great challenges to have. And I'm very, I have a lot of uh, gratitude, you know, with, with those, because if I can work from home and, and still be with them and monitor what's going on with my parents. I really give a lot of love and light to to the people that's surrounding me. And that's again, that's that's meaningful, very meaningful. Yeah. I'm happier, I'm happier uh than I've ever been before. You know, that's that's the truth. Yeah, finding that peace. The other thing, you know, when you had mentioned about meals and you think three more people, it's gonna cost more money. But when you're cooking at home and when you can cook as a group, I mean, the kids can come and I mean, everybody can kind of help or, you know, grandma can take over, whatever it might be, but it gets it done. And again, you're working in that team effort. So if mom and dad have to bring someone to a sports game or whatever it might be, Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts or whatever, things are still prodding along and everyone still feels purposeful and is appreciative of that. And again, another way to cut costs where we don't really even realize how much we're spending until it, it cuts back like that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Huge, huge, um, huge difference. Uh, have Excel spreadsheet to, that literally show it to people how much savings can be, can be done here uh, just by, just by this point alone. Mm-hmm. You know, what is, um, I want to ask you this question. Why, why would one find this way of living better for caring for somebody with dementia versus, versus placing them? You've kind of touched on that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, we touched it probably throughout the conversation, but I, I, this is where I kind of want to give uh, specific examples because number one, and that's also what we're doing in multigen it's not for everybody, right? There are some people and there are some families that, you know, it just doesn't click, you know, very stubborn personalities, people that see the way they are uh, and, and dragging issues from the past. And and it is important to get into multi-generation living while understanding that the right foundations are there. Uh, that's number one. Number two is the fact that when I had the experience, the firsthand experience of taking care of my father, I realized how much I have saved his last days of his life or last years of his life. And I gave that to you as an example, uh, and that was the, the shower. So today for us to take my dad for the shower, it's a process between 30 minutes and an hour. And the reason is a total stranger, aka myself and my wife, because he doesn't know who we are, Grab him in the arm and try to pull him. So he starts to object, curse, being upset, very, very irritated, very, very afraid. Because where are we taking him? So, 
you know, we start to take them. And then there is objection. And through this process, we kiss him, we hug him, we give him affection, compassion. Slowly, he realizes, oh, we're good. He smiled at us. Now we're moving two steps forward. Now we're moving three steps forward. Then we try to take his clothes away. And he's like, Why, who are you? And he looks at my wife and he's, for some weird reason, that part is still there. He is not comfortable with a with a woman seeing him naked so he's holding himself and he's he's fighting with us and he's hitting us and again through this process we hug him we kiss him we 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 give him that love so even though he's in a crisis mode he still realized that that humans that love and care about him are surrounding him and that's why there's no shortcuts for that there is no shortcuts i mean because 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 he doesn't understand where he's going and we need to do it compassionately and and that's what just brings me back to like, wait a minute, my options were to put him in an institute. And let's say that I'm willing even even willing to pay that $10,000 a month uh, for this institute across the street. Will they have the time of, of an hour to give so much love and compassion and take him to the shower and, and changing his clothes several times a day because they pee in their pens, they pee in their diaper. And, and again, the process of taking their clothes in and out is very often. And how often is that being done? And how much people are actually looking to see that the diaper need to change? And I'm not trying to criticize anything. I'm just a, a very rational person that coming from a business world. And I know how things are being managed when you are on a timeline, when you have people of different kinds that's supposed to take care of your dad. So for me, that's something that, you know, if, if this is something that, hurts in your body as much as it hurt me to think about those scenarios then this is the place where you should really look at that option assuming that you and your family you and your mom or dad whoever stayed kind of still very conscious and aware you have the right foundation and the right expectation and if you have that that is a move to consider and and as you mentioned before it it doesn't you know, it's not always shiny and great. Yes, there are moments because we're humans, you know, uh, but but the long as long as everybody focus on that goal, uh, it can be done really, really great. And and again, no institution, no chance at any institution and no much no matter how much money you, you will pay, they will not get it. They will not be able to give the same compassion and love you can give. And again, my dad is happy, the happiest he was. Even he, even though he doesn't have the understanding, I guess, of what is happiness, but you see that smile and you see that he's just comfortable and happy and relaxed. Well, you know, the other thing I think that's a big difference is in your own family, you know, your traditions, you know, your standard food likes and dislikes, um, music. I mean, all of those types of things as well you know, come into play. And not that we don't have time frames and not that we don't get short as family members, because we do. We have other responsibilities as well. But but you add all of that up and it really makes for a different outcome for sure. A hundred percent. For and sure. On that. Again, and we're happy. As I said, it's a win-win-win. So everybody in this constellation is is extremely, extremely happy, meaningful, and, and, and have, we all have the sense of gratitude. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
For those of you that are just tuning in, um, I've been talking with Daniel Fuchs, who is the multi-generational living advocate, and he is walking the talk. He is sharing his story, and it is so powerful of what people can get out of this lifestyle, and I think it's something that is shunned um, more often than not because people just really don't understand it. Uh, I think all of the time now I hear People saying, you know, you have to get your 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 grown children out of your house. Tell them to get their boxes out and, and move on. But that's a, that's just a small portion of your child and what's going on with them, you know. And it can be an adult who's dealing with Alzheimer's disease. It can be all different types of levels. But we have to look at everything that we contribute um, to one another as family members and, you know, if it's about privacy, we can work privacy into that by developing rules. And, um, and if it's about respect, we can develop that into rules. But if we start that at younger ages, like you're doing with your children, like I did with mine, those rules are much more easily enforced because they're not new. It's just the way they always grew up. And I think that's one of the things that's missing in this world is respect for others and that the world just doesn't revolve around one individual person, which many times we hear people say that it's like, what about the rest of us here? You know, don't they see us? What's going on? Um, But I think we have to get back to, as a society, looking at big picture and how are we caring for one another how are we caring for ourselves? So you can, you know, wind back this, uh, this episode and learn more, but also go to his website, multigen.com and uh, check it out. He also has a book on Kindle um, that, in fact, I'm going to ask you a little bit about your, your book, Daniel. Why don't we go into that right now? Awesome. So, so it's, it's in Kindle. It's also in Amazon. But what I just did is literally what I'm doing now with you. I shared my story, my personal story. And, uh, and I brought those main features, those main characters uh, that will help this kind of, of home to thrive. So the part of the design and the construction that is extremely important. So I've just kind of created a, a manual of different things that uh, one need to ask and, and, and make sure that he is taking in consideration then the part of the family, you know, the family dynamic uh, and, and how that would work and how would that, what are the rules? What are the, what are the things that you should not um, compromise on and, and not from a rigidity, but literally from a place that will benefit everybody. And hopefully we can have some time to touch on them today And I'll gladly share some of those insights. What is the name of the book? We should let people know that. The Ultimate Guide of Multigenerational Living. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of those key elements for for building a multi-gen home. What would you recommend, especially for somebody with dementia that you need in a a multi-gen house? Absolutely. So first and foremost, again, people that are getting into the construction part of of, of any project, even if they just want to remodel, they're usually not coming from this world. But being myself in this world, I always learn how real estate developers, you know, when they bid for a project, they get multiple quotes, they remove the high, they remove the low, and they're focusing on the one that are between and really delving into 
every piece of information because details is are really really important uh, and there are people that are not necessarily have the same value they want to sell you the job they want to make sure that they're getting their money and they don't really care as as much as I bring it to this table is like guys let's put the money on the side let's make sure that you're getting what you want that you're focusing on what you want you're asking the right questions so the first thing that you mentioned before is this privacy. So privacy is not just about setting the rules and the boundaries within the family, but literally creating those places of, of privacy. So, uh, for instance, insulation, right? This 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 kind of a product that is in between the frames of the house. So, yes, somebody can tell you, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll put the insulation in. But it's important to understand that there is different types of insulation and there is an expensive insulation that is a soundproof insulation so it is huge because right now if you want to feel that you live in yes under one roof but the kids that are running around don't drive you crazy a proper good soundproof insulation is not just important it's a key because these are the little moments that you're like okay i'm in my own castle i'm in my own space I don't hear much. I mean, of course, you don't design a studio. When you design a studio, you'll be totally insulated. But within the house, you can play with it. So that's extremely important thing to, again, as we said, you meet with a contractor, make sure you ask the right question. What type of insulation are you putting? I want to see example. I want to see a sample or even define to him. Okay, that's the type of insulation that I want in between the room and also in the ceiling. So I'm not going to hear everybody walking on my head. So that's, again, a little example of how important privacy is and how it's coming into fruition when you design the space. Can Another- I interrupt you right there? Um, yes. Because in, in my house, we didn't build. I, I just have a, a two-story and and so forth. But we have the same ductwork in the house. So, I mean, I can hear, I'm on the second floor. I can hear what's going on in the basement through the ductwork. So if that's something that you want to help in terms of creating privacy, you would almost need separate heating systems in ductwork. Would that help as well? It will help, but but that's more for the convenience of, you know, uh, making some rooms colder, warmer, um, but it's definitely can help because, again, sound is traveling like like water, like 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 everything. There is an opening. The sound will travel. Uh, but insulation, even if there is duct work, you, you cover the duct, surround it, uh, the insulation will be sufficient to create that that comfortable way but if you really as i said you're not uh you're not designing a studio right because if it's a studio then the 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 uh the socket of the electricity can also be something that the sound is traveling with so you're not gonna isolate everything uh and that's why i'm saying it's really not just good enough it's very very good as long as you using the right insulation product um, another thing is the infrastructure. You know, many people saying, oh, that's a 4,000 or 3,000 square feet house. That's probably can accommodate us. But some of those houses were built in the 80s, before the 80s. You know, the pipes were not so um, so good as, as the code is enforcing today. And as I know it, because my house got burned and I realized that I cannot bring it with the pipes that I actually had in this house. I had to 
remodel everything per code. And the code today has different infrastructure, a better infrastructure than what was given in the past. So these are things that we need to take in consideration because if you don't take care of the piping system, if you don't take care of the electricity, uh, the damage and the inconvenience of living now, so many people under one roof can be significant. Um, you also want to think about single level design, making sure that you know the parents and the older generations are not on the third floor. I mean, they should be on the first floor. You want to avoid stairs whenever is possible. Again, because you need to think about not just necessarily what's happening now, because things can change very rapidly, like a diagnosis of something, right? So it is extremely important to, to keep that in mind. Uh, when you're designing it, we're creating a wider doorway and hallways. Uh, one thing that, for instance, uh, we did in, in, in a different project, we took windows and we just made them doors. So imagine like windows that went out of the house, we just converted them to doors in a wide, like instead of a 32 inch that was recommended, made it like 42 inch. So a wheelchair with a ramp can easily go in. And we created many of those entrances. Number one, tons of light goes into the house. But again, the loved one can access the house from different places without the need of step, without the need of, of something that can not only be not comfortable, but jeopardizing. We all know that there are so many incidents of people that are falling. And from a simple fall of you believing and thinking, oh, nothing, why would I fall? This is this is where they're falling, on the steps and on the bathroom. So the bathroom is the same thing. You know, you need to install like grab, grab bars in the shower. We're installing them also throughout the house where there are um, corridors and next to the stairs. Yeah, it maybe for some people it doesn't look so good in terms of their uh, aesthetics, but it is a life saving. And the consequences of falling are so much more than a little bit of aesthetic, unpleasing style of, you know, of grab bars. Um, lighting, lighting is big. I mean, we can talk about lighting for hours, but. You know, as the age increase, you know, the lighting must increase because because we don't see the same and we don't necessarily uh, um, are able to see the, the pills that are on the counter. Uh, I mean, literally depends on the stigmatism that you might have or any kind of eye condition. Lighting is a big, big, big part. Also, the choice of the colors right the choice of the countertop if you put a granite countertop you know a lot of things in this busy look might be your you know your 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 style but we need to think about things that are more practical using a quartz surface or corian to make sure that it's more solid that you can see the pills that you can see the stuff that are on the counter um non-slipping floors emergency systems i mean these are the things that I detail in my book. Um, and, and again, I am creating content about it. I'm not trying to keep anything within me. I'm sharing all this knowledge with everybody. Um, so you're, again, welcome to check my website and keep keeping updated because I constantly sharing that information. It's it's not my knowledge. It's, it's a shared knowledge. 
You know, I just interviewed a couple of gals on bathroom safety and one one gal, Maria Lindbergh, has a company called Toilet Talk and she's an occupational therapist. Um, and the other was Becky Wright with Ponce Giulio, um, who really is over in, in Europe, in Italy. <laughs> and they have, for a lot of their grab bars, they have um, different color coats that you can have. So you can blend things in and they're not as, as slippery and stuff when wet. There's so many variables to all of this. I mean, I think of too, when I was in real estate, people don't know what questions to ask and builders aren't so forthright. You know, they just kind of want to get the project done and over with is most of them. And even if someone's asking, you know, can I get this door or can I get that door? They refer to price more often than they refer to quality or what the item does or doesn't do, which is really more what the consumer wants to know, but they think they're already asking that question because they don't know that they have to dig deeper. And so it's really important, I think. That's one of the things that uh, we're very proud of Multigen because what we're doing is that, yes, we, we, it's not, we, we can't ignore people's style on one hand. On the other hand, we can't ignore people's budget. Budget is important. Uh, and that's why the first thing is to make sure that it is the right functional way. We're bringing the builder that is very cost-oriented. We're bringing people that are all into the numbers together with the designer to work together. In the world of construction, usually those two do not work together. You have the designer that create the spec. You have the builder that goes and build according to the spec and cursing the designer that he chose expensive material. Well, both of them are right and both of them are wrong. And the solution is multigen that is coming and saying, hey, this is not your job or your job. The customer is what we need to make sure getting what he needs in terms of budget style and and timelines you know we didn't talk about timelines but timelines is a big thing because if you want to bring your dad to your house you better hurry up you cannot just get promises of people you need to get commitments yeah well in asking that that basic question of why why did you even ask that question to begin with i mean if a builder asks a family that they will hear why they're asking it and there always is a why but people aren't asking for it and they're not telling this is why I'm asking for it, you know? And so I've always have found that really interesting. And I always saw that as my job in terms of new construction is to ask the why. And, and there were times literally where I would have my builder in the room and uh, one of them, I would have to kick under the table because he would just want to go off one direction. And it's like, no, stop. We need to listen to this answer. This is critical to the outcome if, it, if we're going to meet their needs as a consumer. And if we don't, they're going to badmouth us. So let's just take the time and do the job right. And if they can't afford it, that's fine. But we've addressed it. And they know, and sometimes, as you know, in construction, people can't always afford it, but they can build it in maybe behind the wall. Maybe it's for, maybe they're not going to get the grab bars today, but they want the reinforcement there if they need it later. So smart. Those are just little things that make life so much easier um, in the long run versus trying to have to go back and modify um, Absolutely, because then it's more expensive and not just more expensive, but now, you know, maybe there are going to be so much dust in the house that you need to take everybody out. So, again, to, to think on this process 
to begin with, with understanding what are the needs, what is the long-term goal, what is the situation right now, and really take all of that in consideration. It's easy just to spend money. I mean, in construction and in building material, I mean, you can, the, the, there, is, there are no limits. People can really spend a lot of money. The idea is to spend what is really important. You know, what is, what is it you really, really need and why, right? Why is that important? Explain it to people, not just by, oh, so your dad can hold the, the pole. No, no, no. It's so your dad won't fall because if he's going to fall, then all of that is not serving it. So... Yeah, and how disruptive that is to the whole family's life, you know, when something like that happens. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, you you talked about elements in terms of building. What about elements of living that people need to consider? So so a dysfunctional family is any family with more than one person in it, right? Uh, I don't know if you heard that sentence before, but that's that's the the beginning of, of, of every family. And it's important to understand that, you know, you mentioned before that you live with your kids or you said something like uh, it's it feels more their house because they're more than me. But in the end of the day, I think that one of the main rules that we put ourselves on the table is to make sure that my mother feel at her home, not a guest, not a part of our family, but she is in her own home. And in order to establish that, open communication is not just a good cliche to say. This is a necessity in order for this to work. Because if people don't feel comfortable to communicate what what bothers them, what they don't like, what they dislike, what's the issues, what then then they're living in their own little jail, right? Because they cannot say what they feel. And that means that they don't feel at home, right? We feel at home when we walk with our, you know, where we feel comfortable how we look, when we feel comfortable how we talk, when we could feel comfortable to be with ourselves or next to the people who live with us. So the key here is really open communication. Everything is on the table. Nothing is hidden. On the other hand, don't forget the constant gratitude because, you know, we all people, we all you know, if, if my mom cooks a nice meal, nobody in the table will be like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. Thanks. No, 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 no. It's impossible and it's dangerous because people need to feel this gratitude and not only get it from others, but but also constantly give it to them. Share this gratitude with, with the members in your family. My mom is sharing the gratitude that we saved her life, that she's happy, that she's shining, that she's here with us, you know, and and that just makes everybody more more happy, right? It's one of those when when you learn uh, on what about happiness and, and the science of happiness, gratitude and gratitude journals and and thankful being thankful to your surrounding is one of the very, very basic happiness features. And that is something that is a skill that you learn. And if if it doesn't come to you naturally, right, with the kids, for instance, it's something that you teach them constantly, constantly. Uh, respecting the differences, you know, every generation have their own sets of value. Like my mother originally is an immigrant from Russia that immigrated to Israel. I am an immigrant from Israel that came to the United States. My kids are American as it gets. We are 
and our caretaker is from Colombia, right? So we are a mix of cultures and differences and, and different perspective. And that's why it's really important to remember that judgment is the poison of a family. If people feel that they are judged, okay? For instance, my mom can see my wife and I doing something that is not part of her understanding part of her generational set of values the last thing that she need to do is to judge us because the moment you feel judged this beautiful house of card can collapse so judgment is one of those things that you put three red lines underneath to avoid so in addition to the gratitude on one hand it's the judgments um the red lines and the boundaries this is something we constantly challenge that's why i said it's here, it's probably the best solution is, is to create uh, the physical separation and, and the privacy within the home, uh, because just by itself, the, the privacy is one of those things that are being affected. And still, you want to set the rules, especially with your kids. Uh, where are the boundaries? Where are the red lines of, of, hey, you know, you need to be quiet in those times or you need to be respectful with, with your grandmother uh, time and don't just go into her room or to her unit without like announce yourself or because 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 again that's where you don't feel that you live in your own home uh and flexibility you want you know understand the situations and everything is changing life is changing all the time the only constant thing is change and that's why flexibility agility is a skill that you need to have and develop through the time and once the entire family understand the big picture that our goal is to be happy and thrive in this family under one roof. And the only way to do that is really apply those rules. Then everybody are putting all their efforts to that purpose and to that cause. And these are, again, just few of the things that I mentioned here and I mentioned in my book and I'm mentioning and working with families before we start the process to see if, if this is a, something that makes no sense because you really see the clash of personality, then don't even go there. But if if you go there, then working with the family throughout the construction process, during the process, and after the, the, the house is alive, that is the key element that we are offering as part of this package, as part of the solution for families to, to enjoy the multi-gen living. Well, you know, one of the things um, you said so many things there, but one thing I want to mention is when I was in real estate, I would I would always ask the kids, what's the one thing you want in this new house? So I knew everybody what was important. And sometimes it was just the the color of the walls or sometimes it was the view or sometimes it was a bed or a piece of furniture. But it got that out so that the whole family knew what that was and it could be addressed because a lot of times we're just stuffing everybody into a box but when everybody feels like they've got a say in it it just makes it so much easier i loved your phrase um judgment is the poison of a family that is so true and your other one was a dysfunctional family is anybody that lives with really anyone else <laughs> You know, because we all, I think, I think we all think our families are dysfunctional, but every family 
has that side to it. And it's a matter of us getting all on the same page and communicating better to get rid of some of that dysfunction and to appreciate the gratitude and probably get rid of some of the judgment that exists, you know, within the family system. And, and, and all of that is easy said than done, you know, and that's why I'm saying everybody need to understand to set the right expectation. It's an, it's not a walk in the park. It, there are a lot of challenges, but from challenges we grow and from that opportunity, because it's a privilege to be next to your parents and to, and to make so many people here happy, uh, you need to understand, yeah, it's not just a, a magic that the fact that we're all going to be under one roof, it's going to work by itself. It's a work like marriage, like family, like everything good in our life. It requires our dedication and work. And what I'm here for is to help families to facilitate that process, almost to play sometimes in role playing and touching different things. So they will understand again how devastated judgment is, how gratitude is literally something that will make you tear of of happiness and flexibility and open communication that will help your kids to be better human beings in this ongoing changing life so as i said win 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 very good well in wrapping up i just i again daniel i can't thank you enough for sharing your insights on multi-generational living and the benefits to that and you know and highlighting some of the the downfalls that it's not going to be for every single family you know nothing is for everyone and to know that up front i think is beautiful but to be able to show people how to sidestep sidestep some of the difficulties too is so beneficial so if you are living in an intergenerational you know home don't be shy about it go ahead you you might get a couple of side highs but from people, but others are interested in how you're doing it. And I can speak from that from personal experience. You know, I, I do get the side eye every now and then, like, why would you do that? And, but it opens up the door to have this conversation of what the benefits are. And people are kind of shocked when they hear what the benefits are. So, you know, like, click and share this show, be a giver of hope. This might open up some doors, not only for yourself, but for, for others in your sphere. You can go to Daniel's website, multigen.com. You can email him at Daniel with two N's, um, multigen.com. You can find his book on Amazon, and it's also in Kindle, The Ultimate Guide for Multigenerational Living. He also has a Facebook page and a YouTube channel as well, and everything will be in the show notes. So thanks again, and we'd love to hear your comments on this show as well. But feel free to reach out to Daniel. He's he's here to help. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. So in wrapping up again, I just want to thank you all for joining us. I hope you got as much out of this multi-gen conversation as I did. And don't forget to go check out alzheimerspeaks.com. Check out our free educational resources and our book tab about Betty the Bald Chicken. And of course, uh, you can always go to dementiamap.com for our resource directory. See you next time, everyone. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. 
few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years, retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurpose on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.